just when you think we're done, we'll come with shit like this. What you know about the Riverdale kids? You damn right, we still do it for fun. Just when you think we're done, we'll come with shit like this. What you know about the Riverdale kids? All right, everybody, welcome back to Beneath the Bar. Took a little hiatus from you. Originally started back in 2017. Um, our, t- our tech guy kind of took a leave of absence, so to speak, but we're back and rolling. Now a subsidiary under the Brown Bag Lunch Crew pod. Um, it's good to be back. I'm Adam Philpott, co-host, also joined by my fellow co-host, Mackenzie Quinn. And our producer, Jason Vizina. What up? All right, boys. We're back after a little hiatus. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We got uh, we got put under a little couple IT guys so we can get back in the game. <laughs> Good to be back. Uh, the, the idea of this podcast, you know, kind of talk about some kind of off the beaten path topics a little bit, bring some humor to it, um, bring in some sports, some real life stuff. But for the most part, just a couple of guys chopping it up. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy. It's good to be back. We'll bring in some some uh, guests for you, some high-profile guys, some not-so-high-profile guys. We'll see what we got for you. Hopefully you enjoy. Keep tuning in. If you like it, share it. You know, let's let's make the brand grow a little bit. Uh, good to be here. How are you feeling, boys? I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be back. We got probably um, our highest-profile guest to date coming on tonight. Um, I don't know how much higher profile we'll get throughout this whole thing, but uh, leading off with a good friend of mine, uh, professional golfer, so I think we're going to have a good time. Jay, what do you think? Hey, you know, I'm just here to produce the podcast, so I leave it up to my two co-hosts to uh, be the stars of the show, but we got a good guest for you today. I think it's only right, too. We're some local guys. It feels right to have our first official guest, not only somebody who's doing big things off the island, but also a local guy. He, he knows the roots. So it's awesome to be able to bring a Gloucester person on as the first person on the podcast. Beneath the bar, as we mentioned, working under the Brown Bag Lunch Crew title. Let's get it rolling. All right, as we promised, we have uh, our high-profile guest here, um, currently number 1389 in the world golf rankings, but... Got as high as 669, which is a great number. Um, professional golfer on the Asian Tour, and my good friend Josh Sala. Josh, how we doing? Doing excellent. Thanks for having me on, boys. Say, uh, pleasure. Hey, glad to have you. Uh, tough time to get you in town for a prolonged period of time, but good to be home, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, just uh, enjoying the uh, the time. With uh, Stephen Kelly, you know, just uh, soaking it all in. My mom's buzzing around the house. Has me doing, has me doing yoga in the morning at 7 a.m. in front of the TV. It's buzzing, you know. She's buzzing. I'm buzzing. That's yeah, cool. We, we know who rules the roost down there on Plum Street. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I uh, I threw your name into YouTube about an hour and a half ago. See if I could get a couple of videos. And I got a, I got a couple two-minute tutorials over on Plum Street, and I couldn't help but find myself into a pigeonhole of Peter Hood videos after that. Fucking love that you're giving the Bass Rocks Golf Club members a little professional teaching here and there. Something, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, anything to stay busy, right? Like, 
what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing to stay busy? Obviously, you, you both are still working, right? Yeah, still working. Uh, just taking it day by day, you know, kind of uncharted waters for everybody. But just hopefully we can get back to normal sometime soon here because I got to get out of the house. got to do I something. I got to tell you, if it wasn't for the uh, the Aveeno lotion, I would have a, a really tough, tough patch of chafe on me right now because it's either uh, – <laughs> Working a rubbing, baby. Either that, a couple of Bud Lights here and there. What are you going to do? Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, no doubt. But um, as far as having you on, Josh, big guest for us. Um, I mean, pretty big trailblazer at golf in Gloucester, for being honest. Uh, first guy to really make anything out of it, um, Sacred Heart from high school. You helped Kurt get into uh, Sacred Heart pretty big, to be honest. And um, from there, we had Abby Hood in school and uh, – just honestly, a plethora of Division One golfers since you've been through. And um, I just kind of want to touch base on, I know you played baseball as a kid, and uh, at one point it became an afterthought, and it was all golf. Uh, if you could just touch on what age you kind of figured golf was going to be it for you. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously played really everything growing up, but, um, you know, like kind of even in high school, like, like as I entered high school, like even hockey, hockey was kind of like my main kind of sport. And then, you know, five foot seven, 160 pounds, like had some injuries and whatever, and started just during the summers and in probably my freshman and sophomore year, just, just got, just kept improving, kept getting better and started like winning, you know, started winning some tournaments and was like, shit, I might be able to play in college. And then, yeah, I would say probably like midway through high school, I was like, you know, I might as well just focus on this. You know, this is my best opportunity to get a scholarship in college, play at the next level. Um, yeah, so probably, yeah, midway through high school. No, I mean, even growing up playing with you and stuff and myself playing four years of uh, high school golf, just playing with you. I mean, you could tell something was different and everything. Um, I mean, the scores you were putting out. We'd come to the ninth hole. You were always up fucking six, three, seven, two on some of the other best golfers in the conference and kind of just looking to count points up there for matches. But um, as far as recruiting and shit goes, um, myself personally never got recruited for anything. I know Adam had some uh, places looking for him for uh, basketball. But um, as far as college coaches and coming to you and everything, did you have to do some of that? Or uh, were they kind of calling you looking out on what you were looking to do for the future? Yeah, no, uh, because I was like always, you know, I was always playing so many, other, you know, like into so many other stuff. I never was like traveling like too much to play in like national tournaments where, you know, to play like big time division one college golf, like you need to be playing, you know, big, you know, amateur tournaments in the summer. And I just kind of really wasn't, um, I'm playing, a, you know, mass Sam and stuff like that, but I don't think I played in enough big big events to kind of get recruited um at you know at a um you know a bigger school and to be completely honest like I just I wasn't that you know I wasn't that good you know coming out of high school uh you know the northeast um you know growing up you just put the clubs away and, and wouldn't play for six months you know so I was definitely behind the eight ball I would say like you know getting into the college ranks or whatever you know or we at Sacred Heart, you have guys coming from wherever and, you know, they're playing all year round. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly really didn't have that many offers. Um, if I didn't go to Sacred Heart, I probably would have went to URI. Um, URI or St. John's were the two other schools that I was looking at. True. Nice. And Josh, as we kind of touched on, you were a multi-sport athlete in high school, obviously a great hockey player, and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit later. Um, but just talk about kind of your path and not being able to play golf you know, year-round like some of the other guys that you competed against but how those other sports like hockey were kind of able to help you mentality-wise, you know, in your golf career, in college, but also moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I get this question actually sometimes about, like, you know, I feel like parents these days are just, like, they want their kid to focus on one sport, uh, you know, uh, just dive right into it, and, you know, that, that's their ticket to get a college scholarship. Um yeah, we always, I, I, I think playing other sports, you know, you just learn to be an athlete. You learn to read, react, you know, you learn to compete. You learn to want the ball and, you know, in big situations. And I think you just learn that from playing team sports as well. You know, um, you appreciate, um, you know, the locker room, the, the team aspect of it, um, you know, playing professional golf and being on your own, like, you just, I honestly, I miss, miss having the guys around, miss having, you know, locker room talk and, and playing for one another, um, you know, and being able to, uh, you know, the, you have a bad night or you have a bad period or whatever, you can, you can, you know, you can bounce back, you know, um, in golf, it's just, you're on your own. If you have a bad day, it's, you know, you, you, you try and figure it out as soon as possible, but, you know, sometimes it's too late. Mm-hmm. You know what, though, Josh, you mentioned uh, just being in the Northeast and not being able to play golf year-round, not playing on that big stage and everything, but you you did go out to Torrey, Torrey Pines and play in the uh, World Junior. It was the Worlds, right? You got to play Torrey Pines with a bunch of elite talent, correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah, not very well, but I, I went there. Hey, you know what? It kind of doesn't matter at that point. It That's out all there. that matters. We, we had a guest last week on Kurtz who had a tough – Real tough first round, but he uh, he got to hit some balls next to Victor Hovland, kind of made it worth a while for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it was obviously, it was obviously a great experience and something I'll never forget, but um, yeah, it's, you know, you, you learn from those experiences, you, you know, you try and, you know, get better and, you know, the next time you're, you know, you get more comfortable, you know, so... Did you guys play? Um, you guys played some pretty tough conditions too, didn't you? Pretty close to the open. Yeah, it was actually I played in two thousand eight, which was uh, it was like I played three weeks after um, Tiger won the U.S. Open there. So the course we played from the same tees, and after the U.S. Open they had watered down a bunch, so it was like we played super long. It was yeah, the rough is up. The course is yeah, it was extremely difficult. So. Sal, obviously, you know, you have that great career at Gloss High School. You move on, Sacred Heart, going from a freshman from a small community like Gloucester to move on to the college. I remember when I was going off to college, getting dropped off by my parents, I kind of had that oh shit moment, like what, what am I supposed to do? But for you, you had to jump right into golf as well and balancing academics and a new atmosphere. Just talk about kind of your mindset and what was going on and all that and kind of how things progressed from there yeah i mean obviously it was just so much excitement you know getting getting to school and 
getting to meet all the guys in the team. Um, yeah, it was definitely, you know, balancing academic, like school and, and golf. Like that first semester was the hardest. Um, I think that like my freshman, like my freshman, uh, the first semester we played like four, four out of the first like six weeks of school. So, you know, you're just super busy. Um, so yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's, you know, once, once you, once you learn how to balance it and you know, when to get, get stuff done and when not to, then, you know, it makes it easier. Um, but yeah, definitely that first semester was the hardest. At the same time, though, when uh, when you get out of high school and everything, you know, mom's not home anymore. You get a little acquainted with the world, and then at, then you only you go to class for a couple hours a week, and then you're playing some golf. What's better than that? And then comes the beers and the sniz. So, uh, I mean, after your freshman year, especially when you're playing such good golf, the world's got to be a little easy on a small campus like that. Everybody knows where you are. I mean, you could you could hit a pitching wedge from one end of straight good heart to the other one. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's awesome, you know, just, you know, like the, the team aspect of having a bunch of guys to freaking, you know, hang out with, drink, party. Um, it, yeah, it was it was awesome. We had a, I know uh, my first two years, or actually my first three years, we had a golf house that was, they used to throw fucking awesome parties. It was amazing. Um yeah, my freshman year having to do uh I remember the first party at the golf house I had to carry around a fucking black and decker drill the whole time and if I put it down I had to shock in a beer. So I'm <laughs> fucking carrying this black and decker drill around the whole damn party the whole time. Um yeah. But uh yeah, it was it was great. Did you have a uh, a homework guy, somebody obviously, you know, a divisional and athlete, did you have a guy on campus? a little squirt, you know, kind of just pass along the classwork, say, Hey, I need this done by Monday. That type of deal. Uh, I mean, you, you could definitely, you could definitely find one of those, um, <laughs> but no, I didn't, I didn't. I was, uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, I took the initiative and, uh, I tried to get it done myself. That's Spoken beautiful. like a true academia. So <laughs> yeah. was there one moment in college where, you know, you're just out there, swinging the twigs and you're grooving them you're locked in and you did you have that feeling like let's let's rumble like i'm here to go yeah i think it was like i think it was my junior year um at sacred heart um my fall semester i think out of the uh four events i think i finished in the in the top five and three of them and i was just like i lost in a playoff twice and then i finally won in the spring but in that fall semester i was like I think, you know, I think I could, you know, play at the next level. That was yeah, like kind of in the zone type moment. Yeah. It just was just kind of, it all kind of came together and I started playing well and, you know, and, you know, if you're, if you're contending every week and in, in a, you know, a decent field in a college event, like you feel like, you know, for, especially for a new England guy that you could take your, you know, your game to the next level. And uh, sure. that's player of the year junior year too, as well. You took a uh, conference player of the year home. Yeah. Uh, the team came in second in the conference, if I read correctly. So uh, b- b- that's a big year for you. I mean, I don't know about the team and everything. Seems like you might have carried them a little bit of the way. And uh, that's a good finish for Sacred Heart. I know uh, Kurt's team might have struggled a little bit. They had a couple guys on there that were playing well every every week. But um, that seems like a good number for a Sacred Heart squad. 
Yeah, we had we had good teams when I, when I was there. We um, uh, my freshman year we lost by one shot. We finished second at conference by one shot. My sophomore year we won conference, so we went to uh, regionals. And then um, I think my junior year, we yeah we I don't I don't know if we were close to winning, but we finished second. Um, I think we progressively got a little worse the last couple of years. Um, but for a northeast school, we, we you know they pretty good program overall um yeah, unfortunately there's been some like title line stuff where they've had to drop the scholarships and whatnot so i think yeah. the team has suffered um but the, the university just bought the golf course a couple of years ago so they own the golf course the campus is like it's unbelievable now i drove through there last uh last fall and was like this place is amazing um, i think uh, so, i think the Putting up a rank too for the hockey team. Hockey team's been playing well every year. Sixty million dollar rank, yeah. They just, they, I think they, they're starting to build that soon. So uh, they're, they're just they pumping a bunch of money in the athletics. They had a kid in the top ten for the Hobie Baker, so I mean that fucking pushes that right there. Yeah, yeah. But oh, um, you were able no. to kind of parlay that college career into the professional ranks. Um, you go out to the Asian Development Tour. And I'm kind of curious when you when you went out there, did you kind of go out there do a dry run first, or were you just so sold and you just like flew out there and it was that like let's get it going, find a place um, to live, kind of start swinging the twigs? Yeah. Um, so the summer before I went to Asia, um, this guy that I played with, Fran Quinn, he's like a Massachusetts golf legend. I was playing with him in a in a the main State Open. And uh, I played with him the first two rounds, and he told me, he was like, man, I don't know what you, like, you know, like, what you doing around here? You should go to Asia. He was like, I started my career. I played six years in Asia. Like, you should go. And I started looking into it. I was, you know, a little reluctant to, you know, like, really consider it. And, uh, and then one of my other buddies started talking about it. We looked into it. Make a long story short the following january so four months later i was on a plane to thailand by myself with little to no plan um i just was just went there for the the qualifying tournament and was like we'll see how it goes and um i had a little bit of success early and like unfortunately didn't get my asian tour car but was playing the asian development tour which was a good good tour and they had a bunch of events and uh yeah, I ended up staying the first year. Like it was, it was pretty wild. Incredible. So when uh when you were when you first went over there, did you do you have an apartment set up or you, you just went? I mean, you went over there and everything, probably living on your own. Kind of give us a little of the day to day between living on your own. I mean, in a place on the other half of the world and playing golf for a living, like kind of what you went through. Yeah. So I. Um... At the qualifying tournament, um, I met this kid, this Thai, this Thai dude. Um, I played a couple practice rounds with him, and then like randomly, I just get paired with him in the first three rounds of the tournament. And he was staying at the same hotel as me, and we just became pretty good friends. And like I told him that I was like planning on staying there, um, and I was planning on move, like going up to Bangkok. The the qualifying tournament was like a three hour drive from Bangkok. And I told him I was trying planning on going up to Bangkok to find a place to live. And he was like, why don't you come 
come back with me and uh, I can help you. And uh, I'm like, all right, perfect. I, you know, I have no, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm in Thailand. I don't speak Thai, obviously. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck am I doing with my life, you know? And um, so as a kid, I stayed at his studio. It's like a literally like fucking shoebox apartment in downtown Bangkok. I stayed at his apartment for three nights and he helped me find, find a, a apartment to live in. Um, so I, he, he helped me find an apartment. I moved in there and, uh, I lived by myself for the first three months, um, in fucking Bangkok. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for that kid, like if I didn't meet this kid, like I probably wouldn't have made it. Like I probably would have just fucking called my mother and told her to book me a flight home. Cause I was going to freaking you know, um, is he yeah, still out like, with you? He's still playing at all? Yeah. So this kid at the time, so when I went there, I was 24 and he was 18 years old. He had just turned pro. Oh, and um, yeah, he's a yeah, good player. But yeah, his, he was in, he was at that time, he was going to college in Bangkok. Um, he was just taking a few classes, whatnot. And his parents had bought him a condo in downtown Bangkok to like go to the college and, uh, yeah, the kid was a saint. Like, just found me this apartment. It was like my big brother for a fucking week. Um, yeah, like negotiated a deal for me for this lease. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, we, I showed up at this uh, at this condo. Nobody spoke English. I'm like, well, like, how am I supposed to communicate with these people? You know? <laughs> and um, yeah, he he got it all locked in and. And, uh, yeah, I lived by myself for the first three months before I, before I met anyone really. And, uh, and then I ended up moving in with, a uh, a few other American boys. So, so golf aside, you you go out there to Thailand, you're 24 years old golf aside, what are you doing? You know, the weekends roll around here. Typically, you know, we're out, I'm, I'm drinking beers with Kenzie, you know, we're hanging out. You don't know the language, like what what is your life like outside of golf? What are you, what are, what are you doing? You know, how are you getting assimilated to the culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was it was it's tough. Well, it was I remember like so my apart like I didn't I didn't know anyone either, which was the hardest thing, right? Like, right. So not only am I in a foreign country where I don't speak the language, um, I also don't have any friends, you know. So I'm like, you know, I would during the day I'd go practice and then like I'd get back to my apartment and be like you know, I'd, after I'd find a place to eat dinner, I'd get back to my apartment at seven o'clock. And I'm like, fuck, what now what do I do? You know? Um, so yeah, the first, the, definitely the first few months were the hardest, like just like trying to figure out the day to day, uh, you know, operations of like where I lived, especially like nobody spoke English. So, um, I can remember like eating, I used to eat at this restaurant right by my condo and I would, the first time I went there, I look at the menu and it's all in Thai and there's just like pictures and I just pointed at something. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that, that'll probably be that. decent, right? So I just pointed at it and for like three straight days, every time I went there, the same lady was working and I just said, same, same. <laughs> I said, same, same. She just like brought the same thing and like, yeah, hey, it, was, it was crazy. That's a borderline tie right there. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Like, she'll get that. But, yeah, like, looking back, like, the fact that I was able to survive those first few months with, like, 
you know, not knowing anybody and, and obviously not knowing the language. And it was, yeah, it was hard. Like, certainly there was numerous occasions that night where I was like in my apartment, like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? Um, No, but but, I I mean, we know, uh, we know you went out there for golf and everything. That's the main goal. But I know deep down, like, you, you got the sickness in you as, as many of us do. So, um, I mean, what, after the first couple months when you kind of got a little more, uh, into the culture and everything, got a little comfortable, a couple boys, did you guys go all, you rip it up a little bit. I mean, I'm picturing a little hangover, a couple of American guys walking the streets of Bangkok, kind of fucking shit up. So yeah. What's got- the first time you woke up in Thailand and you were like, what in the hell happened last night? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no. There's no doubt, like, Bangkok is the fucking jungle. That place, I mean, like, the city is, I mean, it's just a massive city. Like, like you can find anything and everything there. Like, just stuff that you just can't even fucking make up. Um, but um, if you're a fucking foreigner in Bangkok, like, I don't have the best game in the world, but you'll be all right. <laughs> Oh, you do just fine, bud. But um, getting back to the golf a little bit, I mean, you have uh, you have two professional wins on the tour. Um, I know I saw I saw a pretty big putt on the internet from uh, pretty deep out that clinched one of them. Uh, you want to walk us through that a little bit, or kind of just tell us how it was uh, winning a couple professional tournaments and kind of realizing you made it a little bit. Yeah, um, that first that first win was like. It was wild. Like my roommate at the time who I was living with, um, it was his first tournament of the year and he didn't get into it. So he caddied for me. And, um, I can just remember like the whole week he was on the bag and he was just like, he was like the most fucking confident, like cocky motherfucker. Like, like just give me reasons. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Like I had this like weird sense of just like, I'm the greatest player on the fucking planet and I'm going to win. And, um, I can remember on the, the 16th hole, the final day, I had a one-shot lead, and I had a 130 yards, and the pin was like – it was like a bowl, basically. Like, you could hit it 15 feet right of the pin or 15 feet left of the pin, and it was going to go – it was going to feed down to the hole. And um, I just laid the sod over this thing and chunked the fuck out of it, and it came up 20 <laughs> yards short of the green. And it was just this fucked lie, and I hit this – probably the best shot of my life this flop shot up there to like 15 feet and my buddy was like before i hit the pot he's like dude just fucking be aggressive with it it was just downhill pot like you know whatever and i made the pot dead center and i walked to the next tee and i'm like i'm gonna fucking win this tournament and let's I, go and, I bur- and um yeah the 17th hole I can remember being in the fairway and my buddy's like, yeah, like t- it's just a tuck back right pin. And he's like, yeah, like like 10, 15 feet left of it. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm going right at it. And I stuffed it in there three feet and made birdie. And I, I kind of got unlucky on my approach shot into the last hole. I kind of spun off the ridge. And I had 30 feet. And I got another, like, you just need luck to win sometimes. And the guy, the other guy in my group, he just happened to hit his shot. And it ends up a foot in front of mine. So I have a, just a perfect read. I saw how slow the putt was up the hill. And I was just like, fuck, just give it a chance, you know? 
like how many times you have a chance to win, like win a golf tournament, you know, just, just hit it. And fuck, luckily it went in. Cause I was probably going to have like five feet slider down the <laughs> five foot slider down the hill. So no, was yeah, was, professional tournament. Yeah. In a foreign country. Tell us a little bit about what transpired after that. You know, you obviously you guys must've gotten after it a little bit. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. We definitely, we definitely had some, had some drinks that night, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were in, we were in, uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and we had back to back weeks, so we weren't going anywhere. Um, so we were, you know, we were there for two weeks in between events after the first one. So needless to say, I bought plenty of pictures for the boys. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Love it. You hit in a, you hit in a seventies seventies bush chunk muffin on fifteen during a win is all time though and coming up yeah. twenty yards short on on a hundred thirty yeah. yard pitching wedge is beautiful. Yeah, after after I got that one up and down, I was like, I remember walking to that next tee and being like, dude, I'm winning. Like I just got that shot up and down. Like right, we're dude, winning. Let's go get it. I got that one yeah. out of the way a little bit. I'm here. Yeah. Well, obviously, bring you on the pod. We had to do a little bit of our homework. So you're out there. You know, you find some success. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about this picture. It's not incriminating. We just got to know what the whole thing behind it. And and we'll put it up on the pod when we get this thing up and posted on Spotify, on on all the platforms. But just walk us through this picture a little bit. Oh, damn. Yeah, so... <laughs> Fucking yeah! I mean, you saw Tiger King. You see how people are with their animals, right? Um, yeah. So I'm I'm sitting in this um, this restaurant. It's kind of like a it's kind of a restaurant where there's like a outdoor area, you know. And uh, I see this guy pull up on this motorcycle. I'm sitting there and I'm facing this, the road, and I see this guy. Uh, he he pulls up. And there's a fucking monkey like wrapped around him like his girlfriend. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So he walks in, he sits down, he orders the monkey or he orders and he's got a fucking the monkey's drinking out of the the straw like he's a human. He's like has a plate of food for him. He's like picking it off, like feeding the monkey. It was like. Dude, I don't know, man. Some people are into some stuff. You know, from what I, from, my first thought was like, this monkey looks like he could caddy 36 holes with no problem. <laughs> you know, he's up there. He's sipping. He's got two drinks in front of him. One of them is a pitcher. You know, it looks like he sipped on a mixed drink. And then it looks like he's got a beer next to him. And I'm like, this monkey could tell stories better than anybody I know. He, he, he was sitting, the, the way he was sitting at the table with his plate of greens, it was like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, he was, he was getting his, he was getting his freaking electrolytes from that fucking Gatorade thing drink he was drinking. And then he was fucking eating some cucumbers. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I, oh, that thing probably could have done fucking 95 chin-ups no problem after that. Yeah, definitely. As far as that goes, I mean, you had your buddy caddying for you on that win uh, since he didn't make the cup. What do you usually do for a caddy? Um, they kind of just throw one out at you, you guys go through the language barrier or what? Um, so yeah, there's like a, there's like a group of, uh, Malaysian guys that follow the tour. Um, 
that uh, if you find a good one, um, you'll keep them for a while. But a lot of, I mean, it's it's bad to say, but a lot of the guys are kind of, you know, they're like, they'll be good for two weeks and then they won't show up. They're just unreliable. Um, so a lot of times you just take a local caddy. Um, yeah, most weeks just a local caddy. Um, guys that caddy have caddied at the, that specific course for, you know, 20 years or whatever. Um, gotcha. which I like that. I like, I like that. You know, they, a lot of times I know the greens or, you know, um, no, yeah. they got the local layout and everything. You yeah. Know. They get the local, local. Yeah. They got the local layout. And, and sometimes, sometimes with those, the, the Malaysian caddies that the guys that follow the tour and will caddy, they, you know, they sometimes will just get way too negative. You know, they're like, they know that if basically their pay is, is, you know, how, how you play is, is, you know, how much money they're going to make, you know? Yeah, so yeah. like, if you're not playing that good, they start to be negative. They start to like, say, you a little bit. yeah, they start chirping. Like, it's like, bro, like <laughs> I'm paying you. Like, like, <laughs> let's be positive. Like I didn't try and miss that three footer, like, <laughs> you know, shot That's incredible. They're chirping. Yeah. They're, they, <laughs> some of them, some of them get mouthy and, uh, yeah, I mean, I know, the guy in my second one, the guy that I had, I mean, he was, he was awesome that week. He said, you know, he had a few, few one liners down the stretch that like I made putt, made a putt or, you know, had, hit a good shot, like under the circumstances. Um, and you know, I tipped him 10% of what I made and two weeks later when I saw him again, he was asking me for money. Like, you know, <laughs> oh. it was just, Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, when he's like, not even on the bag carrying the sticks? No, no. Oh, so like, them. no. So like, you know, usually you pay the caddy at the end of the week. Yeah. You know, at, you you pay him per day, um, and then you pay him a, a percentage of what you make to, depending on how you finish. And before the tournament even started, he was asking me for money, and I was like, two weeks ago, I just gave you that amount of money, which is a which is a shitload in Malaysia, you know. And he probably spent half of it that night on booze. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No, he took the boys out for a big night out. He got paid. Yeah, he took all his friends, and he was wearing a big ass fucking necklace on his on around his neck. And I was like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> uh, honestly, Josh, I got I got one more serious one for you. Um, I know that you were. Uh, Kind of close to making the jump into the next tour a couple of times. Kind of, I I, I kind of know you got um, rained out on one of those. Walk me through uh, the steps of what we're going through over here and uh, how you can kind of make the next jump to where we're going. Yeah, um, 2018 was definitely my my best year. Um, I just played, I played really like just consistent the whole year. I won, had a few top fives. Um, and then there was just a weird ending to the year where, you know, the the last round of the last event got canceled and whatever. Um, and you you had to finish top seven on the money list to get um, to move up um, to get your Asian tour status. And unfortunately, it didn't work out or whatever. Um, but yeah, kind of like my focus now. Um, just want to get back home and play in the U.S. Um, so 
just trying to I, I before the year started I wanted to play PGA Tour China um, and just try and finish top five so I could get web.com status yep. play that next year um, the guy that's actually leading the the web uh, or it's corn ferry now the guy that's leading the corn ferry money list David Kocher he played PGA Tour China last year and uh, he's number one on the money list he's going to play the PGA Tour next year uh, I played with him a bunch last year just kind of you know, it's just the easiest way to to move up, you know. Um, that's just really like, you know, everyone's goal is just kind of to move up to the next level. And, you know, unfortunately, like, it's kind of taken me a little longer than I've wanted. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, obviously right now with um, the way the, <laughs> the uncertainty, you know, I mean, who knows, I, you know, the the, the – the season in, in China is probably going to get canceled. So who fuck? I don't know. Um, yeah. So we'll see. You know, I mean, stay optimistic and hopefully, you know, uh, you know, an opportunity presents itself, and then just fucking try and take advantage of it. I'm probably gonna, if if the PGA Tour season starts up, I'm gonna probably try and do a couple Mondays for that and see what happens. Um, and you never awesome. know. Like, you know, the thing with golf is like, it just takes one week. One. One week yeah. can change your life. You get hot at the right time, and you have a good week. And next thing you know, you're fucking, you're on TV. You know, hey, so takes a couple of rounds of striping them, baby. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. So I talk got- to us about a little bit, obviously. So you're over there in Asia. You know, this whole coronavirus thing hits. I know you, you come back to the island when you can, but um, how everything went down. You know, when the coronavirus hit, when you got home. Kind of did that play, obviously, must have played an impact on the golf game a little bit. Um, so just kind of walk us through that whole ordeal. Yeah, so I was I was actually, um, the day before I was supposed to leave to go to the Philippines for three tournaments, um, we got an email that everything was canceled, basically, for the next two months, you know, and uh, I was obviously excited about you know having a few events to plan whatever um booked my fight literally fucking an hour after i got that email and uh left bangkok uh 24 hours later after i booked the flight moved out of my apartment my my lease in my apartment was up and uh at the end of may and i uh, just obviously didn't really know like when i was going to go back so i just packed up all my shit Gave a bunch of shit away um, and, you know, came home and just just kind of playing a, a waiting game, you know, trying to see what if there is, you know, anything to play in in, in the foreseeable future. Um, and obviously, you know, here, you know, all golf courses in Massachusetts are closed, so it's hard to really, you know, do much. Um, got a little net set up in the backyard. But, um, yeah, it's been tough. It sucks. But, yeah. you know, most most people around the world are are in the same boat. Um, I know in some parts of Asia, um, I have some buddies um, that they can't even fucking go outside. Like, unless you're, you know, it's uh, you're getting groceries or you can't even, like, go for a walk. Like, you can't even be on the streets. Right. So, um, I guess, you know, just try and be optimistic about it and, you know. It's not ideal, but hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. 
You know, Josh, I uh, think we probably kept you on for quite a bit of time, and uh, this is beautiful and everything. We really appreciate it. You know, we're always rooting for you. We can fucking, I mean, we hope you're getting out there again. A couple big tournament wins. Maybe uh, get on a tour we can watch on TV and everything. But um, last thing I want to touch on is your big stature, winning all these tournaments and everything. Um, what happened uh, your senior year at Gloucester High School at uh, Seedless Glen? Uh, did did the girl take you down, or did you, did you tie that chick in that match? Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, I had to think about that for a second. Oh, I've taken heat. I I used to take heat for that for a while. <laughs> I took heat for that for a long time. No, the girl was good, and uh, she was teeing off from fucking 150 yards in front of me every hole, and she was driving the greens. She was driving the greens, and she was, you know, she's making she met two putting for birdies, and uh, I chipped in on like the eighth or I think I chipped in on the ninth hole to tie her, and I fist pumped like I was like fucking I was I was pumped that I like didn't fucking lose the match, or I don't know if I lost it or won it. I forget, but. Hey, shooting like a 32 and tying some chicks pretty impressive when she's teeing off that close. Yeah, but I remember, uh, yeah, I, I fist pumped and fucking Tyler C was, he was chirping <laughs> the fuck out of me. I took heat, I took, I took heat on that one for a long time. You did for years. I can remember that too. And hey, I'll tell you what. It's like, dude, uh, I don't want to fucking lose to a girl. <laughs> I played those holes too, dude. She was play. She was hitting fucking eight iron into some par fours. Oh yeah, I mean she was. Yeah, yeah she was. She she drove like three three of the par fours. Four she of them. She was legit. So she was legit. Yeah. Oh uh, no, that's no, that's an all time story though. But um, Sal, we really appreciate having you on. I mean, we're all, all proud of you and everything. Uh, I uh, I'm pumped to have a couple beers with you when this is all over. We haven't really got to kick it in a bit, but um. I'm pretty sure my brother's hanging in the shadows right now. He kind of wants to go at you, so we're gonna let him. We're gonna let him have his way. Yeah, well, I gotta uh, hear. This is uh, per Tom Malloy DMing me on Instagram, just giving me a heads up. The Instagram birthday post, Josh. You're part of the crew that wishes happy birthday upon themselves. Let's hear your take on this scenario. Uh, oh, all right, all right. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> You know, I didn't know what you're supposed to, honestly, I didn't really know. <laughs> I fucking, I think, you know, your friend's birthday, just fucking call him, you know? Yeah. Just, just, just call him. I agree. Or, or text him, right? Like, why do you need to use social media as a, as a platform yeah. to wish your, one of your boys a happy birthday? And, um, so obviously on my fucking birthday, I got all these things and I thought that was like the, the right thing to do was to like. I respect that. Uh, to fucking uh, add it to your story, you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, and obviously, like, I hadn't fucking seen any of my friends in, like, six months or whatever. And I was like, fuck, like, I feel like this is kind of hard, though, but whatever. I don't even give a fuck. I'm just, I'll just fucking, you know, like, that's just like, <laughs> that's just like, that's like the polite way of, like, saying thanks to my friends that, like, did that. Yeah. I'm with you, you know, but you know, it's fuck. It's kind of hard, though. But I'll accept it. I'm a hard out. It's whatever. Okay. <laughs> speaking of Honestly, speaking of Tom Malloy, we got to give a quick plug 
out to Neptune's Harvest for all your agricultural needs. You know who to call. Local company, fully sustainable. Those are the guys you need to go to. While we're on the topic, though, we, we got to get back to your high school hockey career. You obviously won a state championship for Gloucester High School. First in a long time. You were a freshman on that team, I believe. Yeah. With a, a cast full of characters. Obviously, your brother was on the team. You had the Borowski brothers. Uh, you were one of a few freshmen to make an impact on that team, Paul Russo. Walk us through what the locker room was like in the kind of the the off the ice scenes, so to speak. Yeah, we. I mean, the group of characters on the team is pretty legendary. Um, but uh, the I would I'll just say this: like once we got on the ice, it was it was fucking like it was business, you know. Like let's just get right. the job done, like. Um, there was definitely like a mix of personalities, um, guys that didn't get along guys that fucking had fights in the locker room. Um, we won like 10 straight games in the regular season by like one goal. And that was strictly because we should have been blowing these teams out. And that was like, I think a big reason for that was like, just guys that just fucking hated each other. Really? Um, but yeah, like when when the like when game time crunch time came, like these guys, like we just got it done. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember? Go ahead, guys, like we had a bunch of like guys who weren't necessarily great hockey players, but like there were a handful of just sick fucks on that team who yeah, were going to do whatever. Way to whatever win. Was um was that the year that uh, Donnie Lowe and Muffy Maniz went out in the tunnel? Um, they probably did. Yeah. I don't know if that was specifically that time. Um, but yeah, I can just remember like there would just be just night, like after practice, like there's just always shit going on. It just never seemed like, uh, <laughs> it was like we're fucking winning every game and guys are still fighting, you know? Um, I remember, I don't, I don't know if this was the right year or not. I just remember being in middle school at Salem state. It was um, playing Newburyport. Am, am I off a year or is this the right year? Oh, oh that's right. It was just like, I, was, I just remember being in middle school. Like, this is the craziest sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Like, this is like the March Madness. I'm a basketball guy. This is like my March Madness watching the crowds yeah. fucking ripping. It was just incredible to watch. Like, that run, yeah. you know, and then going to the garden. And you're just a freshman on that team, but you're playing a major role. You must have been, that thing must have been going bananas. Yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. Like, I mean, like, I can remember that double overtime game against St. Mary's in Chelmsford. Like, I mean, yes, the no. place was packed. You couldn't you couldn't hear the whistle. Like, um, and then obviously yeah, at the garden. School game, it's crazy. At and the I mean, garden, at the garden, I think there was like fuck. There was like thirteen thousand. There was over ten thousand people there. Yeah, the whole um, lower bowl was covered. Yeah, um, but the game, honest, honestly, the game that that I remember the most, though, out of that was was it was one of the last games. Of the re- I think it was the last game in the regular season. It was against Danvers. It was at home. Um, the place was sold out. There was like fucking two thousand people at the tank in Gloucester, and uh, I remember getting to the rink like an hour and a half before, and like half of the crowd, like half of the bleachers was already full. Like you couldn't hear the whistle blow. Um, I've honestly had never been more nervous for a game. The, the, the atmosphere in that place was electric. 
Honestly, dude, that's the game. They were down about three goals with two and a half minutes left. Won it in regulation. But at the same time, that was uh, three freshmen, Josh himself, uh, Biondo, and Paul Russo. I forgot Biondo. Biondo was the other, yeah. Hey, all playing significant minutes as a freshman within about a three three quarter of a mile radius of each other's house. Um, yeah, I can not next yeah. to each other. Yeah, I can remember actually uh, uh, again in that St. Mary's game um, in double overtime, we were on a fuck, we were killing a penalty, and I was taking the face off, and I looked over, and Biondo was to my left, and fucking Russo was to my right. We have That's three freshmen. Time. We had three freshmen on the ice in double fucking overtime, killing a fucking penalty. Like, <laughs> get out of here. That's like, it right you know, there. It was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, we had the, – the, the, the team was so deep. I mean, all three lines, like, you know, when – yeah, just three lines that could score, three lines that were, you know, just really deep and good. Um, yeah. But it was. I mean, it was awesome. You had Barry and Roush on the third line, two living <laughs> they were on legends. On the fourth line, just, yeah, yeah, Couple dude, guys playing, looking at playing, go out and hit somebody. Like doing, I mean, Barry was a sicko. He was making plays all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it takes. So having some guys, you know, you might not all get along off the ice, but when you come together, you know, just having that right mix, guys, you know, a couple sick yeah. birds like that, just want to go out, fly around, kill somebody. So you ultimately end up winning the state championship. You're a freshman. You know, with your buddies. After that game, you take the bus home. You know, you beat Cole Cassidy in the Garden to win a state championship. What happens after that? You guys getting after it? Yeah. You're, you, you know, I I remember fucking we came into the into Gloucester and there was a fucking parade around the city. We were hanging out of the bus. We had the we had like the party bus that um, <laughs> that took us to the game. You know, that that took us from Gloucester to the Garden. And when we came into the city, we had a fucking from Burger King into the city. We had the escort. And, um, dude, there was fucking people lined up all on the sidewalks, beeping, just crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was it was wild. Like, I remember hanging out of the bus, fucking slapping hands with people. Like, what? 15 what years old, on? babe. Yeah, and I mean, that was probably huge. 14 at the time. For yeah. Gloucester, you know, that was kind of before the, the football era where they went on their run with state championships. So for you guys to win one at that time, you know, that was huge for the city because they haven't been a part of a winning culture, a state championship culture up before that. So for you guys to get one at that time, it was like, that was, again, I'm not a hockey guy, but I went to, I remember going to all the games and the places were just jam packed. So to come home and win that title, you know, that was huge news for, for Gloucester in general. So. I mean, that was me growing up. That's yeah. what I mean. Playing hockey, I never got to experience something like that. I mean, we, we got a couple of times the tank was th- three-quarters capacity, and I thought that was pretty cool. But, I mean, growing up in the eighth grade when you guys won, that was kind of the highlight of my life at that point. I mean, especially you playing with your brother and everything. But um, I do have a producer question right here from uh, my co-host, Jason Mazina. What's going on? So none of us on the show were really lucky lucky enough to play with our brothers and like real sporting events, maybe like Magnolia softball or something. But what was it like going on that run with your older brother scoring the game? He what? He scored yeah, the game OT. winner in OT. Yeah, like, what was that feeling? I mean, you grow up with your brother. What was that? What was that feeling like? Wow, what a question. Good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, we played on the same line. Like, um, 
yeah, he kind of just took me under his wing, fucking showed me the robes, got in my face when I was being a, you know, when I was being soft and wouldn't take a hit. <laughs> no, but it was, uh, it was awesome. Like, obviously, you know, seeing your brother score the game-winning goal in the Boston Garden under those circumstances to win the state championship, like, it was, it was awesome. Like, I mean, you played on his line. Were you on the ice for that? You come off the bench? No. No, it was uh, he was playing actually defense at the time, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, like I think in 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 overtime or at end of the games he would go back to defense, and I think uh, another forward would move up to my line. Yeah, he took it from basically the goal line, goal line to goal line to score. Um, but yeah, obviously, like being a freshman from the start, like it was you know, the whole situation was made so much easier because I was going to the rink every day with my brother. He was one of the best players on the team, one of the best players in the state, you know, just seeing that I, I was just more comfortable, you know, because I grew up with him, you know, I was fucking beating his ass when we were young, you know, so, when I go, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, so like, why, why can't, why can't I go out there and, and make an impact? That was kind of, the mentality that I had that um, I was the fortunate one that, you know, had that front row seat, you know, to school every day with him, to practice every day that could pick his brain and got to, you know, got to plan his line and, and, you know, you know, he could tell me to fucking pick it up. (laughs) You know what though, fucking very rare that uh, three freshmen can kind of integrate themselves into a team that good and do something that special. It's not like a rebuilding year and everything. And you guys didn't miss a fucking beat. I mean, P- Paul played a million minutes. Um, I, I can go on the record saying Biondo is one of the most talented kids I've played with my entire life, no matter if he is an ass clown or not, and he'd fucking tell you that himself. But um, you guys did an absolute number on that team to help them win that state tournament. And I'll still tell Tommy, that kid on Coil Cassie gave him half the net in overtime. So it's not that great. <laughs> uh, we uh, we appreciate having you, and uh, this has been a real pleasure. Um, love having you on. Uh, I'll call you this weekend for a couple of beers, my friend. All right, boys. Thanks for having me, Philly. Fucking Ken's. Let's uh, peace out. Hey, hey, cheers. Be safe. Stay sane, and uh, yeah, whatever you're drinking, maybe just take a sip. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you, boys. There you have it. Beneath the Bar with Gloss's very own Josh Sala. Sacred Heart's finest. Got into his little pro career a little bit, what he was up to. Um, Good to be back with Beneath the Bar. As we said, it's been about a three-year hiatus. Good to be back underneath the Brown Bag Lunch Crew title. Uh, We want to give a quick shout-out to Neptune's Harvest. For all your agricultural needs, they're local, sustainable. They're the people you want to go to. If you're gardening, greenhouse, you want to be going with Neptune's Harvest. Now we want to dive in to our fraudcast segment where we shout out our once-a-week fraud, so to speak. Um, Our executive producer, Jason Mazzina, has our fraud of the week. We're going to let him take it. All right, I got my first fraud of the week. It's my work. I mean... Corona stinks. I get that. People are dying. It sucks. I'm working from home. It's the balls. 
listen, I can work from home three to four days a week and go into the office one day a week. I'm pretty sure I would say a third of businesses that are behind the computer can do that. Phil Pot, you, you, you guys think you could go? I mean, you could. I could stay home. I do the same amount of work, and I friggin' slack off for half the time. And rip about fourteen bowl hits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- no, I think you're on the right. I think you're on the right track with that. Um, I, you know, I'm all for the work from home type thing. For me, I don't have a kitchen table. I don't even have a kitchen. I don't have a table, so I don't have a, an environment that can support that. But that's, I think you're 100% right. Like, if for all the workers out there in quarantine, if you have a setup where you can work from home and do it efficiently, why can't you be doing that year-round? Yeah. I've been playing on my yeah. lunch breaks. Uh, 2K18, I think. I've been playing as a 07-08 Celtics against old teams every day. It's the best. That keeps him in the mood to do work after lunch. So, Ad, hit me. Who you got for a fraud these days? Who do I have for a fraud? I would, th- I, you know, I don't, I guess I am on record with this, but my fraud of the day or of the week, whatever you want to call it, is kind of the city of Gloucester. Like, we're in quarantine, obviously. Yeah, it's hot, hot take. Obviously, we're in quarantine and we don't, nobody likes it. Obviously, it's, you kind of got to do what you got to do. You got to stay home, stay safe, six feet apart and all that. But, you know, everybody that wants to complain about Fiesta not going on, Fiesta might be getting pushed back. We, you have to take a step back and think, like, what are you doing? Because I drive and this is – I'm still social distancing. So I work out of my parents' house. Just I'm more productive. So I go to my parents' house in Magnolia. I live on my own. So uh, every day I wake up, come in contact with nobody but myself, go right to my parents' house, work, do whatever I got to do, go back home. But every day I'm driving and I see people on the boulevard. It's like there's 100, 150 people on the boulevard. It's like you can't complain about events or, you know, your summer being pushed back when you're still doing all, all of this stuff. So what, you know, what are you really complaining about? It's like, oh, how are you going to push back Fiesta? It's such a moneymaker for the city uh, with the tourists coming in and all the money. It's like, no, we understand that. But you're still on the boulevard walking around. There's a million places in the city to go take a walk. You know, you can you can walk down the street, Goose Cove, Ravenswood is closed down now because everybody went there. But it, it just seems reckless to me. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but. I mean, I could. Oh, I. I mean, Curtis is raising his hand right now, so I think he's jumped. Curtis, give give us a little producer's input. I gotta get a fraud of the weekend, and it's the whole thing. I hate social media trends, and it's the post your senior pictures to honor the class of 2020. What's up with that, guys? Cuz I don't. I you know what? I I just don't get everything you're just a hater on. Jay, how does posting? My, my class picture helped the class of 2020. I, that's all I need answered, and, and I'm out. After that, I'm, I'm out. How, hey, it's how, just something to pass the time. Kurt, Kurt uh, how does you walking over a stage do anything for you? Just let the fucking kids have their time. Yeah. They don't get, hey, no, they get, don't get to go. Definitely... Hey, listen up. They don't get to go get drunk and fuck after prom. They don't get to do much. They, they can't walk across a fucking stage 
Let them post a picture, like some overpriced picture that they did in the auditorium. No, he's no, on no, a no, 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 no. It, it can be them if they want. I agree. Why do I need to see, you know, my dad posting a picture yes. of his senior picture? That's what I'm How talking about, Adam. The class of 2020. Because that's the last time his balls didn't hang to his ankles. He wants to let people know. <laughs> Right. Timmy skips. Let's go. All right, but as far as we're going to close this out, I got, I mean, I have a fraud that I'm going to pick on from fucking about 2001 to 1999. His name's Joe Thornton. He's kind of a fucking loser. But as far as we know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer in the NHL and all this shit. People love him for all he's done. He's got a fucking great beard and all this shit. But he played a seven-game series against Montreal when I was 12 years old. And he scored zero points while being the best player on the team, yet having 14 penalty minutes and no points in seven games is bananas. And the thing that I found out today is before that, three years before that, he had zero points in six games against the same team. So I think Jumbo Joe is a pretty big fraud, and he could go play in a couple fucking Broadway musicals for all I'm concerned. I hear you. And I'm not I'm not the biggest hockey guy, but when you you know you dive in and you look at Jumbo Joe's career, and I did this like a while ago just to see where he was at. Because I was like, damn, Joe's still doing it. And then you look out and like his stats, he's up there in assists, you know, he's up there in points. You know, his career over a span of time is pretty legit. Like, there's no doubt he's a Hall of Famer, obviously. You obviously hold the grudge. You're a Bruins fan. I get that. But Jumbo Joe has got to be up there, especially when you're talking about American hockey players. He's got to be one of the all-time best to ever do it. Adam, Adam, I don't want to fuck with you on this, but he's Canadian. Canadian, yeah. Yeah, he plays for the Canadian team. I was going to say, if there's one... Delete it. (laughs) Yeah, you got... Delete it. No, you gotta, you gotta include that. You gotta include that all time. That's so good. No, we'll take that though. But uh, as far as sponsors go, we're gonna give our life solutions group out a little shout out here. I, I think I lost the text message, but we're still here, and we're gonna say, you know what? As far as building wealth strategies from Wall Street to Main Street, we're gonna have to go with Life Solutions Group and the Prats. Um, if you guys need any help trying to figure out what you got to do with the you, you know, your extra pennies on the week, we got to call the Prats up. And no matter how big, small, or uh, ugly they may be, we're going to call Life Solutions. more American than Joe Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you think we're done, we come with shit like this. What you know about the Riverdale kids? You're damn right, we still do it for fun. Just when you think we're done, we come with shit like this. What you know about the Riverdale kids? You damn right, we still do it for fun. The air is thick and I can feel the tension. By the look in your eyes, I see apprehension. Another dimension and another dimension.